Jesus, Father, we thank you for freedom. We thank you for the freedom that we have in you. We thank you for the liberty that we have. That's what empowers us to come boldly before you, God. We thank you. We thank you because we don't see any limitations. All we see is you. And we behold, as we behold you, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. Praise God. We bless your holy name. We magnify you. We say, Father, thank you because if there's someone in this place that doesn't know that freedom for a fact and it's not real to them, Heavenly Father, we ask that you open blind eyes. We ask that ears hear. And we ask that hearts will respond in the name of Jesus. We thank you because you are able to do more than we can imagine. We thank you because your power is available, your power is here, and your power is able to do beyond what we can imagine in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because at the proceed, as your word comes forth, Heavenly Father, we thank you because things are rearranging, hearts are drawn to you, people are receiving healing every area of their lives so god there's no limitations to what you can do and we don't want to place any limitations to what you are able to do in the mighty name of jesus we prayed amen, amen and amen amen and amen we're well, welcome to church we're well, welcome to church and we just give god the praise for the opportunity to be able to come before his friends simon says i was glad when they say to me he didn't say i was sad when they said to me he said i was glad when they said to me let us come to the house of the lord and we should have that excitement every time we come before or come into god's presence and we know that we're not just coming to god's presence we're carriers of his presence so coming here doesn't mean that we now met him as we came here praise god we we know that we are his temple we are his temple praise god so this um afternoon as it were we're going to be looking at freedom in Christ, the freedom that we have in Christ. And as a church, we're looking at the theme of life in the Holy Spirit, life in the Holy Spirit, life in the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand that we're free to live that life in the Holy Spirit. We're free to express that life in the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And I want us to think about, because sometimes we can be very much aware of what freedom is, and we can latch on to something that we think is freedom because freedom, I want to start off by challenging what you think freedom is. Challenging what you think freedom is. Because for some of us, we have an idea. When we hear the word freedom, we have an idea behind our minds of what freedom really is. And what actually challenged my thought about what freedom is was when I thought about a string that the instrument uses, the guitars. The piano actually is a string instrument, but this is electronic. But we have a string. When you see a string, of a guitar string outside of the guitar, to you, you would think it's free, right? Right? The guitar, the string is free. In a sense, outside of the, the guitar, the, that string is free to do whatever it is, right? And you will be thinking to yourself, when you think about it in the light of freedom in Christ, you'll be thinking, oh, freedom in Christ. How can you be bound to something and yet still be free? Praise God. And that challenges what you think about freedom. And we are in a world where people will say, oh, we are in the land of the free. We are free to do whatever it is. And you just be thinking to what, what they are holding on to. What do, they, what do you really mean by freedom? What do you really mean by freedom? And, and we call it a guitar string for a reason because it's a guitar string, right? The guitar string. So, so it's not a string. It's a 
string that should be bound to an instrument. And the different forms of strings and yeah, things you use to qualify what those strings really are. Praise God. And once you say a guitar string, the person that designed it designed it to be attached to a guitar, right? And it means that by attachment, by the virtue of it being attached to that guitar, that is it leaving out the purpose it was designed for. Praise God. So it means that for you to have you 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 have purpose and you have a design. It's designed to fit that particular purpose and outside of the guitar, the string doesn't fulfill its purpose. Praise God. Outside of the guitar, that string is invariably useless. Praise God. It's useless. It's not leaving out what the manufacturer had designed it to do. Praise God. And I, I'm using that as an illustration to paint something in our minds as we look at freedom in Christ. Praise God. As we look at freedom in Christ. Praise God. So in like manner, we outside of God cannot live out the purpose that our creator has designed us to live. Praise God. We outside of God, if you feel like, oh, I can live my life the way I want to live my life outside of God, you'll be making a very big mistake. Praise God. You'll be making a very big mistake. So it means that we are designed to be bound to God, our creator. Praise God. We are designed to be bound to God, our creator. And that's when we are able to walk and do the things that will bring him glory. Praise God. Because outside of him, we are doomed for destruction. Praise God. And, and most of the times when you tell people, oh, well, we obviously, as in, how did it all start? Why are we now trying to seek this God? Why are we wanting to be bound to him? Or why are we seeking to be bound to him? It's because it all started from somewhere. There was a problem along the line. Praise God. There was a problem along the line. And, and every time people talk about these things, they fail to bring you back to what the problem is. It's like, if I don't have a problem, I will not be looking for a solution. Praise God. If I don't have a problem, I will not be looking for a solution. I don't know about you, but note that internet is solving the problem, right? If you never saw the need for internet, we will never have created the internet in the first place. Praise God. If we never saw the need for a mobile phone, we will not be looking for a mobile device. Praise God. Because it's problem and then you have a solution. You can't present a solution to someone that doesn't think that that's a problem to them. Praise God. So, so we should start off from that place. Praise God. We should start off from the place where there's a problem that now warrants us to seek a solution to the problem. Praise God. There's a problem. And this is where we go back to the beginning, right? In Genesis. Praise God. Man was actually designed and God created man in his very image. Praise God. He created man in his very image. We see that. He said, he said let us. And then he now did that in Genesis 1 verses 27. Man was created in his image, was created in his likeness. Praise God. And we know what happened along the line. Yeah, it happened along the line and then we fell off. And it's not an excuse for us to now say, oh, ah, I was created in the image of God. I'm still in the image of God, right? You know, there's that place of where you, you want to, people want to make sense of, okay, it's in my nature, right? I was born like this. I was born like that. And you can be in a delusion if you want to. It's like, I've said it a couple of times, you see an individual coming very much dark-skinned and they tell you they're white. And you know that this person is actually not being real to themselves. Praise God. 
they're not real they're not real to the state of their color we can lie about so many things but when it's obvious you know that that now will you you start asking the sanity of the individual in question when it's obvious that this person is from Africa and is claiming that it's from somewhere else or this person is dark skin and is claiming that it's white skin you know now you're challenging what the nature is and we come to that place where as believers we have to be real with what our state is what we wear as believers we we wear in this state right and um, but we are now in a state so we have to understand that when we're speaking now when i'm speaking now i'm speaking to both believers and people that will think they are believers right because it's a mix it's a mix crowd it's a mixed crowd and the children of Israel had that experience when they're coming in you know there are people that are from Egypt and there are people that are Israelites the people that are from Egypt will be influencing the people because when you have a mixed crowd you can you can think you're saying one thing and everybody understands what you're saying praise God but, but everybody might not understand because the same way you'll be if if I'm telling you something about my country Nigeria and you're not from Nigeria you won't get it you actually won't get it. if I tell you I start I'm so passionate telling you about my hometown telling you about the sights and the sounds. Yes, you can relate if you have a basis to relate with what I'm saying, right? But if you can't, it's because you need to come in or you need to want to understand or see what I'm exactly saying or I'm talking about. So I'm wanting us to start from the place where we understand there's a problem. And no matter where you are, you need to know what the problem is, right? Even if you're a believer, you need to know that there was a problem, but you have a solution, right? And if you're an unbeliever, you need to know that if you have not realized you have, there's a problem. And the problem is ongoing, right? Because we're in this world. Praise God. We're in this world and we cannot make up an excuse. Because if you don't see the problem, you will not even want to find the solution. People just allow things to happen to them. People just pray that it will get better somehow. Or if you don't see the solution, someone will help you to fix it. But we don't wait around for things to change. Praise God. King David in Psalms 51 verses 5 Let's go to Psalms 51, verses 5, and see what he has to say with regards to this problem we're talking about. Yeah, that's, I, I like it from the NLT. Psalms 51, verses 5. NLT, I will read before it comes on. Yeah, good. It says, I was born, for I was born a sinner. Yes. From the moment my mother conceived me. He said from the moment he was conceived, he was born that way. Praise God. So what do we, like we see that he was born with a nature, right? I think those of us that are following in the cell, that's why we have the church service in case you're not following the cell. We have a series, we started the series from last year called the Freedom in Christ series, right? And then we continued, and now we're looking at something very interesting because you need to know, right? Knowing is very important, and the knowing is not no, it's knowing, right? So looking at this and looking at, and we talked about it in last, last year, looking at it, you'll see that he was born with a nature, and the nature is not external. The nature is nature, is inner to him, right? He has that nature seen, right? That's what is a sinner because you sin. And the problem is not the, 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 the problem we have here is sin, not the individual that is a sinner, right? Because you have the problem here is the nature he is born with. And it's not something external, it's something that is in it, something that he is born with. Praise God. And let's look at um, Psalm, um, Romans 5, verses 19 from the NLT, still from the NLT. Romans 5, verses 19. 
Praise God. It says, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. Because one person, who is the one person we think we're talking about? Yeah, the first man. He, he, so he said, but because of another person, because, because one another person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. And we praise God because many are righteous because one person had obeyed, right? And we see, I want us to pay attention to the use of the word obey, disobeyed and obeyed, right? Disobedience and obedience. And it's a, very, it's a very important thing because people choose to disobey because they feel that they have a mind of their own. They decide what exactly it is. They, you're, not, you're, you're not, who are you to tell me what to do? Praise God. But, but understand that the string that we talked about earlier is bound to the guitar and the person handling it decides what happens to it, right? If the person created it, and I, I just remembered when we were growing up, we, we, we wanted to make an instrument for ourselves. We decided that we are going to make a guitar and we made the guitar with some woods. We knocked it. We're not, we were just, our goal was to make a guitar. We got some strings. And you know, if you are trying to make a guitar, you're doing it crude, so you'll get things. And, and with, with people that don't understand the design of a guitar, you will just put any string there. But now that we have an understanding that all the strings on the guitar are not exactly the same. They're different. They're different. The, the, the width of the different strings are different because you have different sounds from the instrument. So you have to have different sounds for the instrument. And before, for you to be able to make music, you have to be able to have that synergy of the different things coming together. And it's just beautiful how, how design, how detailed the design is. And it's, it's, if you as a child, you're trying to make something and you see how frail your, what you made is, you can imagine what God had created when he created you and I the complexity that comes with a human being having a head connected to the hands, the body, the entire trunk of the man. And once you look into it, you'll be amazed and be enamored by what God has created in, the, in you and I. And we're different from other things he had created because we are the apex of his creation. And that's why he's, we are important to him, praise God. That's why we are very important to him. And I want us to understand the importance, right? Because one man had sinned, we were separated from God, right? And then God wasn't okay with the fact that the people he created are now in their own way, right? They're doing things their own way. In Genesis 6, we see that God himself was like, what, that this is not what I planned for, for, for man. This is not what I planned for man. But we see that in Genesis 3 that he made a plan for redemption, right? He made a plan for redemption. But we're still looking at the problem. And we're seeing that one thing that anchors the problem here is that disobedience, right? One thing that introduced the problem is that disobedience. And we see that the reverse of it happens when a person obeyed or one person obeyed. I want us to look at it from Amplified, the same um, verse in Amplified. Yes, Amplified. It says, for just as true one man's disobedience... He said his failure to hear, his carelessness. And some of us are in that state where we're failing to hear. And we're invariably being careless. Because if you're not listening to instructions, 
you will make mistakes that you wouldn't you would regret praise god it's like in an examination they give you instructions they said answer the first question the only question and then there are 10 questions you will just spend your time solving the whole thing and be amazed at why you failed when the instruction there says failure to adhere to this instruction will mean that you lose your entire points for the exams praise god and it's disappointing that most of the times we don't pay attention to instructions and we disobey the instructions and invariably we are careless. We fail to hear instructions. It says, the many, and the many were made sinners and it's a lot that goes down that path. This is so through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous, accepted to God and brought into right standing with him. So we see there's a problem, but we see that the solution is still presented in other words. But I want us to understand a bit more about what the problem is. And in Romans 3 verses 23, scripture tells us that all have sinned, right? And the word there is, by definition from the Greek word, is amatia, means to miss the mark. Means to miss the mark means to miss the mark. And when somebody is trying to, just imagine I'm aiming for the clock and I miss. You know, it's, I just need to miss a bit and then I, I aim at something else. Praise God. But you might think it's just a near miss. It's, a, it's by a mile. When we miss the mark, we miss the mark because we're, you're going in an entirely different direction from the original. And what it means is that we're now away from God's glorious standard. We're now away from the plan that he had intentionally initially had for us praise god when we miss the mark it's not just a near and scripture also goes further to show us in romans 6 verses 23 so this is a very and we'll be looking at a whole lot of scriptures from romans because romans is a very beautiful play, passage to walk you can see the progression you can see so romans 6 23 says the wages of sin is death but the free gift of god that is his remarkable overwhelming gift of grace to the believer is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want us to look at the sin is not just taking it off the mark, it's also, it has a consequence, right? And most of the times when we use the word wages, we don't understand that wages there just means the salary that you get paid, right? The salary you get paid for sinning is debt. Praise God. The salary you get paid and the penalty, which is the penalty, and, and, is, an, and, and is eternal, and is the ultimate consequence for sin against God, our Creator. Most times, we don't want to understand, we don't understand the magnitude of what sin is to God, our Creator. We, most times, as Christians, we just, yeah, He loves me, He loves me. But understand that sin was not part of your design, it was not part of how God designed you to. And scriptures always remind you, if, even when you become a believer, you don't make a practice of sinning. You don't make a practice of sinning. It should be strange to you, right? It should be strange to you as a believer. Praise God. And, and dead there is a very powerful, you know, sometimes when you see dead, most of us, we are terrified. I think I was reminded one time we went to a concert that was years back. And in the concert, they, they had their playlist. They had the, the list of songs. Every, the concert was going smoothly, very fine, until the <laughs> one of the songs came on. And they were singing it, and then all of a sudden, people were looking at themselves. <laughs> it was, 
the lines of the song was like, if you die today, what will people say? If you die today, what will people say? And it's like everybody now started thinking because the, the, just the mention of the word death in the lyrics is not like victory in Christ over death. You know, this one is if you die today. is a question now that demands you to think, right? Because most of the time, some of our songs just lift us up and we fail to think of the reality of life where death is also part of what makes the whole cycle. But, and that song was very... The person sitting next to me was like, is it me or this song is sounding... <laughs> This song is sounding, but the song is challenging you to think of what you really want to skip thinking about. Praise God. And, and, as, and, and everyone has to come to that place where you ask yourself this question. You are alive today. If you die, what will people say of you? Or in fact, not what will people say of you. What will God himself say of you? At, because he's saying that at the moment, right? He was asking that. He was just trying to get you to think about what exactly it is because death is... Is real. But death also can, you might just see death in one sense because ultimately there's that eternal death. But I will just quickly walk us through what the scripture tells us when we talk about death. There's a spiritual death that scripture talks about. And this means separation from God. And it also goes invariably to say that it also points your inability to respond to God. Separation from God and also points to your inability to respond to God. And we see that in Ephesians 2, verses 1. The whole of Ephesians is very beautiful. The Ephesians 2, very beautiful. I want us to read it from NLT. Ephesians 2, verses 1. Yeah, it says, And you, he made, not amplified NLT, thank you. They say, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Praise God. Are we seeing the Sins, disobedience together. It says, once you were, and love the fact that he uses the word because Apostle Paul here is talking to believers, right? To understand the context. When he's talking to unbelievers, if you're an unbeliever, you're still in disobedience, right? You're still in disobedience. So we pen that and you have many sins attached to it, right? So, and he says, the reason why you were dead is because of your disobedience and your many sins. Praise God. And this implies that this individual is not listening to what God is saying. And because they are not listening to what God is saying, they are in their sins. Praise God. Because what God sent his son to do, which is the solution. I'm just getting ahead of myself because I can't just hold the suspense. Praise God. I can't hold the suspense. So, and one other scripture that makes it also clearer is Matthew 8 verses 22. Still from the NLT. Matthew 8 verses 22 still from the NLT. I want us to see it together. And this is Jesus Christ speaking to someone who wanted to follow. He says, but Jesus told him, follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. In your translation, some of our translation, we say, let the dead bury the dead. But I love NLT because it says, let the spirit, because if you say, let the dead bury the dead, the question is, if you're thinking about the dead body, how is the dead body going to bury the dead body? Praise God. Doesn't make any sense, right? But I love the fact that it says the spiritually dead. So it classifies. So people can be alive and still dead. Praise God. You know, the, you know, the movie is called Walking Dead. question is, how can you be walking and then still be dead? I was talking. <laughs> you know, if you rear, if you rear um, animals, like especially chickens, 
yeah, certain chickens. You like we had a poultry growing up, and I was talking about it one time. I said, there's some chickens that have this strong will to live, that even when you slice off their head, they're still moving around. And then I think it's just like, what is in this chicken that is still keeping them alive? When, when they should be dead and their head is not there but they are still moving around but, but, but yeah people have this strong will animals too have this crazy will and they are still twitching I'll talk about it some other when we when talk about physical death so Jesus Christ speaking here says spiritually dead to bury their dead so he points to the fact that you can be alive and still dead right and, and remember what I said that death is spiritually right is your you are not alive spiritually to hear. When the scripture says, he that has ear, let him hear. Everybody has ear, except if you are, yours got amputated or genetically you were born without it. But you have the hearing faculties that enables you to hear physically what has been said. But spiritually now, you have to be born again to be able to hear because you have now organs that are not the physical organs that empowers you to hear what God is saying. That's why you tell an unbeliever, this thing you're doing is bad, and they're telling you, what are you talking about? Remember what I said about context. If I'm explaining something to you that you know that you're familiar with, it's easier for me to explain it to you, but it's a lot difficult. That's why if you change field from one field to another field, the first semester of your change or the transition, people that have done drastic changes where you are in law and then you move to engineering, you know that for the first semester, you'll be like, what is going on here? Where am I? Did I make a mistake? Or am I in the wrong place? But you made the change. But, but over time, you discover that what you thought was complex because you are exposing yourself to it over time. You now, and sometimes in, in church, we don't really understand that. Yeah, just coming to church, we're encouraged. Coming to church, hearing God's word over and over again. You felt you got it the first time. The second time it's been explained to you, and that's why we have to go back to some of these things so that we understand it. So when we're, when we're asked to live a life by the Holy Spirit or live a life that is led by the Spirit of God, you don't, you're not confused about it. You understand what it means to live a life by the Spirit, and that's why we're doing this. So remember, a person that is spiritually dead doesn't respond to what God is saying. Praise God doesn't respond to what God is saying because they are separate from God. So now we look at the other form of death, which is the very form that we're familiar, which is physical death. And we'll look at it from, yeah, we'll very much understand it. Yeah, physical death. This one is just basic. For a believer, it's different from a non-believer, right? We understand that one as believers. I'll still say it for the purpose of saying it because it's part of the list. Praise God. So once a non-believer dies, they die, right? And even if they do, well, when they do resurrect, because everybody's going to come up, you, you are still resurrecting to another death. So it's still dead all the same. Like you're resurrecting to, and well, I'll explain what the different kinds of, the last part of it is. So but for a believer, is very different, right? And Jesus Christ, time after time again, and you have to be careful when you're reading your Bible, he always makes mention of someone who's dead as being in a state of sleep, right? And we sleep every day. And that was confusing. I can imagine. You know, sometimes you have to put yourself in the context when he told the disciples that Lazarus is just sleeping, right? You know, you'd be like, <laughs> they just, didn't you hear the news? They, they told us that he's dead. I mean, he's even been dead for this amount of days, four days. So, so we, we look at it in John. Let's look at John, John 11, verses 11. 
very easy to remember. John 11, verses 11. It says, and then he says, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. Very interesting. And that is it's true then and is still true even today because when he comes, Scripture tells us that the dead in Christ will rise at the voice of him, right? As his voice, the dead in Christ will rise. So it means that as believers, we don't die. Even not just Jesus Christ saying that. Even our apostle, apostle Paul says it in 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 13. 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 13. I would like it from the ESV. ESV or New King James, they're all closely. Okay, I'll read. But we do not know, we do not want to want you to be uninformed, brothers, but those who are about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Praise God. That you may not grieve as others who have no hope. They brought it up when I'm finished. So, so the word used there is have fallen asleep. It says the same thing as fallen asleep. So we're not grieving as those who don't have, have no hope because really, as a believer, you're sleeping to wake up and never sleep again. Praise God. Amen. You're sleeping to wake up and never sleep again. Praise God. So, so, so that on that, day, but it's different for the unbelievers because the last one, and note that all of these things, you can add life to it, just to give yourself hope, like spiritual life. That's what we have in Christ. Praise God, and physical life. That's what each and everyone has at birth. Praise God. And then the last one now is eternal, or what the scripture time after time calls the second death. And this one now is an eternal separation from God in damnation. And that is, you know, as believers, we have eternal life, right? And the life is both now and to eternity. But for those who don't believe in God, those who don't have a living relationship, it's not those who go to church, just so I say that in passing. It's not those, those who are born from a Christian family, right? Because we said so many times, God doesn't have grandchildren. That's why you call yourself a child of God, right? Not a grandchild of God. Because no matter how, no matter, I think uh, Billy Graham, maybe Billy Graham will say, if you like, be born in a garage, you will never become a car. Right? Even if you're born in the hospital, it doesn't make you a medical doctor. <laughs> so it's, it's, not, it's not about... Where you're born doesn't just... You don't inherit something there that you can't... You have to personally come to that understanding and then seek this God to be able to have that relationship that you can now boldly say that I'm a child of God. And you can sing it in a song. In fact, there are people that have Christian names but are not Christian. Praise God. In fact, you can even answer Christian and still be an unbeliever. Praise God. So it's not to the name, it's the relationship that you have with God. And the eternal death or the second death, this, as I explained before, and I'm explaining again, this is an eternal separation from God. 
in damnation. And we see that in Revelation 21, verses 8. Yes, we. Revelation 21, verses 8. Revelations 21, verses 8. I can read if they are late. It says, But as for the cowardly, the faithless. Yeah, thank you. See, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Praise God. It causes the second death because they are died the first one, which is the physical, and they are dying the second one again. Praise God. But that's not the same for us that believe as we are born first, physically, and then we're born again. So we don't have to now, we'll just deal with only one death. And then if you're alive when he comes, yeah, you don't even have to deal with any death at all. Praise God. I don't know whether you understand, you know, it makes sense to you. But I want this to make sense so that you can explain this easily to someone if you're in it. But if you're not, let it, let it, let somewhere in your heart, let the Holy Spirit really minister to you that you don't leave this service not coming to that place where you recognize your need for this God. I don't know how, I don't know how else to put it to you because this is not like a good, I don't know, it doesn't, doesn't, if you read this, in fact, the book of Revelation is like a horror. Because right? you can't, we've not gotten to that part in our Bible in one year. But when we get to that part, I believe we'll have some, some, <laughs> some better light as to it. But the, the good thing is that when you're looking at your Bible, just look, at, just look for Jesus. And you, that's the best thing that can happen. Even when you're looking at the book of Leviticus and you're hearing some setting... Yeah, those of us that are not in our head are reading our Bible in one year. Those of us that are not just wondering what is going on. So I would like us to look at Revelation 20, verses 6. 20, verses 6 from the NLT. I, I love that in NLT. Revelation 20, verses 6. So it says, Blessed, or blessed and holy are those who share in the first re- resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power. Praise God. Amen. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. Praise God. And will reign with him a thousand years. I love that part of the second death holds no power. I don't know if you're here and you want to come into that you want, to, you want to know this for a fact that second death has no power over you, right? Because you are, you are born again, right? When they say born again, it means you're born from above, right? It means that you are in that place where you can say, my father. You can, you can call God my father and it will be. He will say, yes, my son, right? Praise God. Not he will say my, fa- you will say my father and then he's, it's almost like if he was here, he will say, what do you mean by that I don't really know you. Praise God. I don't really know you. And, and with all of this, I think that this is a good part to present the solution, right? A good time to present the solution. And, and that's what God did, right? What God did, and that's the solution, and that is redemption. Praise God. And it's redemption. And, and God knows that we can't solve the problem for ourselves. Praise God. He knows that you and I cannot save ourselves because guess what? We're born sinners, right? 
born sinners. If you're born sinners, how can a sinner save a sinner? It's like, it's like a blind person trying to lead the blind, right? Jesus Christ uses the illustration to help communicate the fact that if you can't see, how do you show people the way? Praise God. And that's why he came and he's the way, the truth, and the life. Praise God. He says, we can't solve the problem of our sins by ourselves. So he sends his son to reconcile us back to God because Remember, we missed the mark. We're off course, and then he's trying to reconcile us back to God. And what Jesus Christ came to do as a solution is to deal with the penalty of sin, right? Which is death, right? Deal with the penalty of sin and the power that sin has over us. Those are the two things. And invariably, when we're not on this earth again, the presence of sin will also be dealt with because sin will be no more. will be with God, right? So the penalty of sin is what he came to real because if you owe like the salary you're given is, is debt, right? Or the salary you will be given invariably because that's the ultimate is debt. You really will need someone to help you to pay that debt if you really want to be alive. Praise God, right? You really will need an intervention. You need someone to come that has the power too, right? And if the next person that is going to help you to pay the debt is still having to pay his own debt. So, you know, you have a problem. It's like when, you say, don't worry, when they come, they will pay, the person is owing, and you have to owing, and then you're now trying to see how they, you see, I believe that the person is going to, when he shows up, they're going to pay the debt. So, pre- please, let's know, know who you're trusting to pay your debt. <laughs> let's just think again who you're trusting to pay your debt. And Colossians 1 verses 18 to 20, like us to read this, and also we read Second Corinthians 5, 18 and 19 from the Amplified. From the Amplified, we'll see it's spelled out in God's word. Colossians 1, 18. Yeah, it says, he is also the head. Scripture calls him the life source and leader of the body and the church. The church there is not the local church. The church is the, as he says, the body, right, is both the past, the present, and the future believers, right? And he says, he is the beginning, he is the firstborn from the dead. If we, I think we know the whole story, so it's not like I'm leading us to the tract. Jesus Christ was the first to, to actually be brought back from the dead. Yeah, you know, there's some people that had gone up, there's some people that, but he is the first to actually be brought back from the dead, and he's not just, it's he, he's not ordinary. Every other person had sinned, right? That's why his own is very, stands out. Praise God. And I'll show us why it stands out. So so that he himself will occupy the first place. He will stand supreme and be preeminent in everything. Let's look at 19. 19 says, for it pleased the father of for all the fullness of deity, the sum and total of his essence, all his perfection, powers, and attributes to dwell permanently in him. That is the Son, Jesus Christ. 920. It says, and through the intervention of the Son to reconcile all things to himself, making peace with believers through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Praise God. So let's look at very quickly 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. Second Corinthians 5, 18 and 19, it says, But all these things, but all these things are from God, 
who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, right? Making us acceptable to him and gave us the ministry of reconciliation so that by our example, we might bring others to him. And 19 just repeats the same thing. See, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them, but canceling them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, that is restoration to favor with God. Praise God. So understand the fact that Jesus Christ is the one that had to come to do this, and God was resident and was part of the whole process. And then we see that's God the Father. I mean, when I when I say God, I mean God the Father. And and just to further reiterate why He is able to do that and why I would like. Luke 1 verses 35 amplified and I'm giving us just presenting reasons to us from scripture why he is able to do this Luke 1 35 from the amplified and this is um, the conversation where the, then the angel replied to her it says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you like cloud for that reason the holy in bracket pure sinless child shall be called the son of God so the birth is not your typical, that's the reason why he can be, because he was holy God and holy man, right? He was fully God and fully man, praise God. So it means that if he was born normally, he will have the same problem you and I had, praise God. He would have had the same problem you and I had, and it would be diffi- he will not be able to deliver us from sin. So he had to, so it's beautiful, I, was, I think we we're talking about in the cell where, you will, you will have an exam and you'll be tutored through the questions for the exams. Just It's like, it's a very funny, if you think about it, like he has to help you through it because you can't actually do it by yourself. Praise God. He, he guides you through it. He comes in him by himself to help us through it. And it has to be a supernatural one. Says the Holy Spirit still just takes us back to Genesis, how the Holy Spirit has to hover around, how the Holy Spirit has to overshadow, how the Holy Spirit has to, before life to come, it has to be the Holy Spirit's walking to cause life to come. Everywhere through scriptures where you see a, something supernatural, there's the Spirit of God hovering around it. It's not just for something supernatural to come out of the natural. There has to be that, that, there has to be that union. Praise God. There has to be that union, and, and we can do it by ourselves, praise God. We always need, the, we need to invite the Spirit of God. We need to trust and be empowered by the Spirit of God to do this. And I want us to look at what John says in, first, in John 1.29, ESV, John 1.29. And it's funny when someone, John looks at, he says, and the next day, Jesus coming towards him, says, that's John the Baptist. He says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And you'll be like, how can somebody just walk in and then you just look and just say, behold the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. You'll be like, is this a human being? How will you be saying, behold the Lamb? You know, some of us, we can, we, we, we just, we read it and we just forget that the people around there will be wondering, what is this guy saying? Like, how can you look at a human being coming towards you and you say, behold the lamb that takes away the sins of the world? Like, what kind of insight? Yeah. Very serious. Like, he's calling me a lamb. He's calling me a lamb. Can you imagine this 
guy is calling me a lamb. You just that's that's enough to cause a ruckus. That's enough to people fight for, and that's an insult worthy of confrontation. Praise God. But but to them in that context, they will understand it very clearly because they understood the sacrificial system. Praise God. So every one of them, when they say the lamb, they say, "What is this trying to? Is this saying that this is the promise? Right? This is the promise." So understand that this was very clear to the people that are around there. Right? What the what you use a lamb for was to take away sins. Right? And when it says the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, everybody got the point. Right? Everybody around there understood, and he. Seeing that when you see the scripture goes further, and then because for him he was doing that just to find who that person was, praise God. And when he found who, he said, Behold, and when he saw him, it's like, Behold, other translation will say, Look, who the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the one who takes away the sins of the world. So it makes it clear, very clear to us that that's the solution to the problem, right? That's the ultimate solution to the problem because what they were doing there was not able to cut it. We see that in Hebrews. Praise God. It says the death of Jesus Christ shows the high price, the cost. We see that in First Corinthians 6, verse 20, that we're bought with the price, right? The high price. It cost God his son, right? It cost God his son. It said he paid that price to purchase us, and that is the greatest show of what love is. And if you read God's word, you, you read about this loving God that is in there and he just longs for us to fellowship with him. He just longs for us to relate with him. That is why he has, to go all, he has to go all out, sending his son to die so that we can be restored, we can be reconciled back to him. And the goal is not just we reconcile back to him, it's for us to also partake in that ministry of reconciliation to reconcile others to him. Praise God. So it's not, it doesn't stop with us. It also goes further. Praise God. That's what the work of God is. It works in us and through us, right? It works in us and through us. And the work of God is inside us. It's not outside. You cannot make people, you can make people to wear the same clothes, but they might, they, they're not one. Praise God. You can dress. We see that in schools. Everybody uniform, different mindsets. Different mindsets. Praise God. So with all that has been said, the question is how then do we respond understanding that we have a problem and we have a solution. And the response, my brothers and sisters, is not just for today. The response that we take is on a daily basis, praise God. I don't know about you, but the world is, when you look around you, you know that there's sin around it. You just, you don't need to have a mobile phone to know what's, you don't need to have a mobile phone to know that things are going really crazy, praise God. And we need to really have a standard for our living and a standard that we hold on to, not just profess by words of mouth. Praise God. A standard that people can be able to say, okay, these are people that are different. You know what scripture tells us? We are, we are royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are, we, are, we are showing forth the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Because we are light. We can't hide. You can't, what you need to do to dispel darkness is to bring light into the room. And when you show up, you should understand that you are different from the world. Praise God. We are different from the world because the world has sin. The world has Satan. The world has the systems that wants to confuse what our identity is. And we, we, we know who we are in him. Praise God. And even when we do know that, we have to be reminded on the daily that we're not Yes, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Praise God. So first and foremost, we have to first recognize, right? 
We have to first recognize that we have a problem, right? That like we're sinners, we are lost without God, without hope. Praise God. And we're in need of God's grace. And that should bring us to our knees. And the whole that Galatians, even though I didn't go there, let's understand that the problem was these people knew, they understood. But it's almost like they were going back to certain things, trying to walk their ways back and front, thinking that this is what it is. But the freedom that we have is in Christ Jesus, right? And we should understand that it's of God's grace. It's him sending his son. Him, his son laying down his life. His son showing us what really love is. The love of a father. And we can see for a fact that he loved us so much to lay down his life for us. And every day that's what brings us closer and closer to him because we are seeing the dimensions, the facets of this love for ourselves and we're expressing it because that love is working in our hearts and we're expressing it. So second, first we admit, we recognize, right? We can write, because if you don't recognize your need for a savior, you won't need him. Praise God. And, and recognizing the need is not just one-time thing. It's a thing that you, every day, and how you show that you recognize your need for a savior is when you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you do? How do you posture yourself? Do you just feel that life, and sometimes we don't understand that our our, the way we posture, the way we organize our life tells us who we are submitted to or who really owns our heart or who, who, who we're living for. Because if you're living for someone or something, it will show, praise God, it will show your allegiance to that thing will be untainted. You, people can see what exactly it is you're living for, praise God. And, and after you recognize that, you have to do something else. You don't leave it at recognizing because we can see the solution to our problem and say, yeah, we acknowledge that this is the solution to our problem and do nothing about it. But what we need to do is to also admit, right, right? After you recognize your sin, you admit, admit that Jesus Christ had paid the price for that. He had paid that price, and, and the debt is what we deserve, right? You know that by virtue of being sinners, we deserve debt, because that's, the, that's what you get paid every time you sin. So he paid the penalty that was due us. He paid for that penalty that was due us. Remember, we talked about penalty. Paid for that penalty that was due us so that now we can have the power to overcome sin, right? Now we can have the power to overcome sin. So he paid the penalty, which is what he did. And then now, going forward, because he doesn't want us to keep sin, praise God. You know, we had a list of other things, those things. Sometimes in some places, or the world now will tell us, let's blow some parts of those things. And uh, let's make it look like it wasn't there. Praise God. So he, he saved you from those things so that you can live now to him, live unto him. Praise God. And then the next thing is to act. Recognize, admit, and then we act. So we act on all that he has by coming, all that he has done, all that he has done by coming to God, right? We act by coming to God. And our coming to God is not one time. That's what, that's what we call repentance. We are coming to God and turning away from sin. Praise God. We are coming to God and turning away from sin. We are believing, right, and confessing the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We see that in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. We are believing and we are confessing him as our Lord and our personal Savior. And we are believing and confessing him. We are acting on those things because we don't confess him and then live our lives as though we are not bound to him. Praise God. Praise God. Going back to what we said, we're bound to him. So we, like the guitar makes sweet sounding, our lives should please to be pleasing to him because we are bound to him. We're not now living in disobedience to him, but rather we're living in obedience to him as is an example, right? Remember, the first man, disobedience, he 
acted in obedience, and then we have he had that, that right standing is what we do have with him. Praise God. So we receive his life in us, and that gives us power over sin. That life in us, we looked at Second um, Second Corinthians five. 17. You see, if any man be in Christ, a new creature, all things are passed away, all things are new, right? And then it now goes down to now talk about the reconciliation that we talked about, that we were looking about, looking at earlier. And I'll just read very quickly a couple of passages just to reiterate and make, help us understand that John 8 verses 32 from the Amplified. John 8 verses 32 from the Amplified. I'll read it before it comes to us. It says, And you will know the truth regarding salvation, and the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin. Remember where I talked about the penalty of sin. And the truth will set you free. It says, Regarding salvation, and the truth will set you free. And Second Corinthians 3, verses 17 and 18. Second Corinthians 3, verses 17 and 18. It says, Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit is there is liberty emancipation from bondage true freedom and we all with unveiled face continually seen as in a mirror the glory of the lord are progressively being transformed into the image from one degree of glory to even more glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Praise God. And Romans 6, verses 16 to 18, from the NLT. It says, Don't you realize, don't you realize that you become the slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. 17. Thank God once you are slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey his teaching we have given you. His teaching we have given you. 18. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Praise God. First Peter 2 verses 16, 17, Amplified. It says, Live as free people. Live as free people. But do not use your freedom as a cover or pretext for evil. Praise God. As a cover or pretext for evil. But use it and live as born servants of God. 17. Show respect to all people, treat them honorably, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the king. Praise God. Honor the king. Then uh, Galatians 5 verses 1, NLT. Notice that I'm just reading scripture and allow it to speak to you. Praise God. Galatians 5 verses 1, NLT. So, Christ has truly set us free. Now, make sure you stay free. Make sure you stay free. Did not say, make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. 
I don't know. I don't know about you. So make sure you type. So Ephesians four, Ephesians four twenty-two to twenty-four, Amplified Classic. Ephesians four twenty-two to twenty-four. It says, "Strip yourself of your former nature, put off and discard your old, unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life, and become and becomes." corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude 24 in the last and put on the new nature the regenerated self created in God's image God-like in true righteousness and holiness praise God and then Romans 12 verses 2 amplified Romans 12, verses 2, Amplified. It says, And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what is the will of what the will of God is that which is good acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you praise God God's plan and purpose for you is that you have your minds on a daily I love the way he says and same just reiterating what exactly Ephesians 4 especially 22 says constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind having a fresh means that it has to be fresh meaning that you don't do God's word when you feel like it if we want to do reading God's word when we feel like it or praying or doing the tenants of this game when we feel like it we will never feel like it it's like telling students like do you feel like studying everybody say yeah we feel like studying it's really not studying is hard studying you you eat the food you, you we eat because we know that we need sometimes you don't feel like eating but you just have to eat praise god because you know that there's nourishment that comes for it and scripture tells us that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god and that's something that god's word does to us praise god how many of us are doing the bible in one year how many of us are really doing the bible in one year we're committed to doing the bible in one year how many of us will want to do the bible in one year and please let it not, don't think that because we have gotten into you can start today and try and stay consistent because we have a I think we're over 100 and something now. We have a community of people doing it together and really it's a blessing when you interface with God's word. There's some, there's encouragement that comes that you cannot explain. Praise God. There's a strength that comes when, that you cannot, you cannot get from food because food ends in the toilet. Praise God. But God's word is is alive, is reviving, it strengthens you, it causes something in you to come alive. And that is the God in you. It, it resonates because the means by which God communicates to us is his word. Praise God. The major means by which he communicates to us is his word. And when you are ignoring his word, you are stopping him from speaking. And God's word is a love letter to us. It starts off in the garden and then it ends or it continues. Praise God. In that city, in that place he has set for us, and nations upon nations, and people, it's just a beautiful thing to behold and a beautiful sight to picture. I'd like us to just close our eyes and say, Father, thank you because you're helping me to understand that I'm free, but yet still bounded to you to leave that plan and that purpose you have set for me. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you because there are people in this place. And I don't want you to leave this place without making that commitment to really, really seeking God, really laying down your life. Because your life is nothing. Because it ends, there's a physical death and there's the eternal death. And you don't want to be caught in that. You want to spend eternity with God. Because separation from God is not what you want for yourself. It's not what you desire. He says, I present before you life and death. I want you to choose life. And I want you to choose life on a daily, not just for today. I want you to choose life on a daily. Just pray and say, Father, we thank you because these ones are coming to you. These ones are having an understanding of you like never before. These ones are seeking you on a daily basis. So it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and every other thing is going to be added. And the kingdom is not a place. The kingdom is you allowing his reign, freedom for you to allow his reign in your life. Allow his, the, his system to be your system. Allowing his system to override what you call your system. Exchanging, not allowing the cultures of this world, but allowing the, the culture of the kingdom be what changes your mindset, what reforms, what informs you. Praise God. Father, we thank you because we are, we are transformed by the power of your word and will continue to be transformed by the power of your word. Your Holy Spirit has given life to every part of us and we're receiving and we are giving as you are empowering us to do, Heavenly Father, everything that heaven has, we know and we receive and we trust you to be able to do what only you can do on a daily and continually in our lives in the name of Jesus. Spirit of the living God, we ask that these words will continue to resound in our hearts. We're not going to leave this place and forget about what we've heard. We're going to be, we're going to leave this place and we're going to leave this place recognizing, admitting and acting on your word that you have spoken to us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Spirit of the living God. God, for all the things you do are beautiful. Thank you because all the things you do are good. Thank you because you are a good, good father. Thank you because we are your children. Thank you because your plans are of good and not of evil. And the end is beautiful. We thank you, King of Glory. Thank you, Asher of these. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.